morning, everybody. Would you please stand? And together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. There is power in the blood. Would you free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. each of you in the Lord's house this morning. As I was standing on the platform, did any of you notice kind of a tipping to the, anybody notice tipping on this side? In fact, when I was walking over here, it was almost a momentum because the almost everybody's sitting on one side of the sanctuary. I, I wasn't sure if the concrete was shifting. I don't think quite. Did, did you notice it? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought of the political statement at all. Wow. Uh, no, I just when I when I looked at it, I thought to myself, what happened on this side? Who who is whatever that made everybody come over here? I'm not There's sure. There's a new baby over there. Oh, a new baby would do it. That, thank you, Connie. That explains the entire thing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Kittredges are here with their brand new baby. He was just born this week. I mean, wow, I, I love that when moms and dads 
come right to God's house after their baby is born. That's such a, that warms a pastor's heart. I will tell you that for sure. Um, so, yeah, look, well, I think what I'll do is I'm going to pray. We'll sit, but I'm going to ask William and Hillary to stay standing so you can introduce us to the newest occupant in our services this morning. Although for the last nine months, she's been coming, but <laughs> not quite the same. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come and worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for our church family. We're excited about brand new, absolutely beautiful baby being in our services. Lord, we thank you and praise you. And I pray that you'd help each of us to focus in on you. Help us to dismiss from our mind all the cares, the worries, the hectic craziness of this world. And Lord, help us to come and find our peace, our presence with you this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated except Hillary and William. And if you would give us all the details, the, the length, the height, the breadth, the weight. Go ahead. Uh, Finley Rose Kittredge. She was 22 inches and 8 pounds, 13 ounces. Amen. And everybody's healthy, strong, and well. Amen. Wonderful. All right. I'm going to turn it back over to Brother Rob. i 
take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We have been in a series going through 1 Peter 3 ever since Mother's Day. And um, as we get started this morning, we're going to be focusing on verse 11 uh, of 1 Peter chapter 3. However, take just a couple minutes and kind of review. And um, the entire chapter, although we're going to focus on the first two-thirds of it uh, in our series, but as we look at this, it really addresses relationships. Started on Mother's Day talking about men and women, husbands and wives, uh, those intimate relationships that are there and talked about in the very beginning of the chapter. And then this... this uh, Sunday, I printed off to do a little review for you all my notes from all the series. So, if you, how many of you brought your lunch with you today so that we can go right through the whole series this morning? But not really. I just wanted to do a quick review. Uh, on Mother's Day, we did beginning with the basics, talked about men, women, and husbands and wives and those relationships. And then on the next Sunday, we looked at reaching for mutual care, taking care of each other, how you care for one another. And we talked about being of one mind, having compassion, love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, check your anger at the door. Remember, we talked about that the second in our series, all out of the same text. Last Sunday, the title of the message was Loose lips sink ships, remember? And we talked about refraining our lips from evil and also refraining our lips from speaking guile. We went over all of that down through the text. And then this Sunday, we're going to focus in on seeing good days through proper action. Seeing good days through proper action. But remember, it's all built off of the theme of verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 3, where it says, for he that will love life and see good days. You and I as Christians, we should be people who love life. And we want to see good days. We want to see good things. We want to see good things in our family, in our church, our community, our nation. We want the best for humanity. We really desire to see good things. So as we approach the idea of loving life and seeing good days, as we come to verse 11, he says to us, let us, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So thus we're looking at the title of the message for this morning, which is see good days through proper action. And he's giving to us some simple advice here on how to have a, a happy home, a happy life, a happy church, a happy community. And he's saying it takes some action to see that come to place. And we know that anything that is worth anything costs something, doesn't it? You have to invest into it. It's the same thing with loving life and seeing good days. You have to invest into it. Um, Kelsey just finished his state police still kind of got some kind of little few weeks of internship type thing, but 
just finished the whole boot camp deal, which has lasted how long? Uh, including three basic 20 weeks. How many? 20. 20 weeks. And he just graduated this week. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> 20 weeks to go ahead and go from working at Collins Industry over here to going ahead and being a completed graduate of the whole basic camp of state trooper. But he had to sleep at the barracks. It's just like going into the military. They made him be away, he could only come home on weekends. He had to invest a lot of time, a lot of energy, sacrifice in order to be a state trooper. So in order to get there, he had to really do something. He had to change his habit, his action, his practice, didn't he? Could no longer check in at Collins, kick back and enjoy the day. <laughs> he had to go and run laps and work like a dog and all, learn all kinds of new things uh, in order to achieve and acquire the status of being a state trooper. Here he's saying to us, listen, if you want to love life, and see good days, then you need to invest into your action, your practice, what you do in order to come out of it and love life and see good days. So he's going to start off in verse 11, the very first part of it. He says, let him eschew evil. And I like that word eschew. It's not something that we often use in English today, but you do hear it, and it is still used somewhat. And that is when something is askew, it's turned away from, isn't it? Uh, how many have ever seen a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Any of you ever seen that? It's askew, isn't it? It's not right. It's askew. It's turned away. Now, they didn't build it that way. It actually happened over time. And they're a little concerned that it might keep going and it can only go so far before it's not just the skew, it's down. So you and I in our lives, he, this text, this, this unique English word, it simply means to, to lean away from, to turn from. And so here in verse 11, he's saying, let him lean away from, turn from evil. Now, the word evil is a little different than the word sin. Uh, my son, Josh, used to uh, be also a police officer and the particular division he was in was uh, Internet Crimes Against Children, which is just a whole dark world. And he was talking to me one day and he told me, he says, Dad, you know, I always understood what sin was and I understand sin, but he said, now, I understand evil. He said, that is evil. So I went back and I wanted to go back into the Greek and the Hebrew and I wanted to see what is the difference between sin and evil? Because he could have gone ahead and just said to us in this text, let him askew or turn from sin. But he uses the stronger Hebrew and Greek word, which is the word evil. And evil is wrong with the intent to harm. It's a different level of wrong. Sin, and evil is part of sin, but evil is a ratchet up from sin, where it's doing that which is wrong 
with the intent to harm. And he tells us in our lives, listen, if you want to love life and see good days, learn to turn from, askew, away from evil, sin with the intent to harm. Jesus prays for this for you and I as Christians. In John chapter 17, verse 15, as he prayed to the heavenly father, he said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, talking about us. He's saying, I'm praying for my, my disciples, those who believe in me. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. He says instead, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Christ praying to the heavenly father. Keep my children, my believers, my disciples, my followers, those who are born into the family of God by trusting in me through my shed blood. He says, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I am asking you that you would protect them, keep them from evil, that sin with that intent to do harm. Proverbs 16 verse 17 says, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Now, I love that text because it's a very visual, it's a word picture, isn't it? We in Vermont don't have many highways. There's not a lot of highways in Vermont, are there? Uh, you have to kind of go onto the other side of the state to get to a highway. But when you get to a highway, it's very defined, isn't it? It is a clear place where many people travel. The Romans, at the time of this writing, are still famous for the roads that they built. You can go to Europe and you can actually see still old Roman roads built. In Israel, when they're excavating, doing archaeological digs, they still come across Roman roads at that time would have been considered a highway. And he's saying for you and I as believers, He's saying the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. It should be our direction, clearly marked, prepared. We desire to depart from evil. It should not be a part of our lives. And God is telling us, if you want to love life and see good days, then make your highway, make your path, make your roadway, your life pattern should be to stay away from evil. When Josh worked for ICAC, the Internet Crimes Against Children, I prayed for him all the time because just the darkness upon his soul of having to deal with that stuff, investigate it, go into it, arrest the people who did it, it's such a dark world, such an evil world. God says, you and I, it should be a pattern of life to stay away, to askew from, to turn away from evil. I want you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 in your Old Testament, because I want you to see that there is a, a three-strand cord to health, spiritual health. And in that is part of this very principle. So look with me if you would at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord 
and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So we find him taking and bringing together three truths. He says, don't be wise in thine own eyes. And that simply would be pride, wouldn't it? He's saying, avoid pride in your life. Secondly, fear the Lord in verse 7. And then the third strand of that threefold cord, what is it? Depart from evil. And what does it do for you? He says down in verse 8, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And when you read that text, you ask yourself, well, health to thy navel? I, what is that about? Sandra Jo has a saying that she shares uh, concerning opinions. She'll say, well, opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody has one, but nobody wants to see yours. <laughs> So navels, belly buttons, are kind of that weird thing in life, isn't it? The innies, the outies, who knows, all of that. But there's not one of us who came into this world without that umbilical cord. And that connection to life is with us throughout life, isn't it? It's a forever reminder that we came from our mom and that we were connected to her. Our whole life blood, our oxygen, everything came from who? From mom. And he's saying to us, from the very beginning of life, these principles of laying aside pride, fearing God, and avoiding evil, he says it is health for life. But then he gives us the second thing as we look there in verse 8. He says, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It's an interesting thing how the Bible knows biology so well. Long before they understood the value of marrow as a world, God always understood and your marrow is absolutely essential to life. Um, Anne's, Anne Endicott's son was just diagnosed with leukemia this last week. And leukemia, one of the things they used to do was they would kill off all the marrow in your bones and reintroduce new healthy marrow. My brother-in-law, he had gotten leukemia and he was adopted as a child. So they went back to his adoption records to find out, did he have any siblings? Well, he did, he had a sibling in Kansas and he lived in Massachusetts. So they contacted his sibling in, Can in Kansas and said, Owen, my brother-in-law has leukemia and we're gonna put him in the hospital and we're gonna kill off his marrow. He needs a marrow transplant to live. So this brother he'd never met in his life flew to Massachusetts. They took out some of his marrow and put it into Owen so Owen could grow new marrow in his bones. Isn't that amazing? But we're going back into old times, old scripture. And here he's saying the very inner part of life 
is benefited by this threefold cord. This cord of laying aside pride, fearing God, and avoiding or skewing from evil. You and I, you want to be healthy throughout your life? Not just physically. He's not talking about physical health. He's talking about life, spiritual health. He's saying, then go ahead and follow this threefold cord. Embrace it. Hold on to it. It's a lifeline where you lay aside that pride. You fear God and you eschew evil. It should be who we are. It should be our highway to eschew evil. But look what he goes on to say. Let's go back to our text there in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. As we come down and he says, For he that will love life and see good days, look at verse 11, let him eschew evil and do what? Let's say that all together one more time. Let's eschew evil and do good. Do good. Good is a powerful part of the exercise of life. Just as Kelsey had to go into boot camp and give that 20 weeks, they had to work, didn't they, to become a, a qualified state trooper. You and I in our lives, if you want to benefit your life, if you want to love life and live a good, uh, see good days, he says, do good things, eschew evil, do good. James chapter 4 verse 17 tells us to know to do good and not do it is sin. So if you look at something and you say, I should do that, that would be the good thing to do. And you say, nah, I'm not going to do that. He says, that's sin. That's pretty pointed, isn't it? That's pretty personal in our lives. All of a sudden that gets to where we really live. You see somebody who needs help and you say to yourself, I should do that. That would be the good thing. That would be the right thing. But no, I just can't. I, that might cost me $10 or that might take some time or that, I'm just not gonna do that. God says, you know what? That's sin. Because you and I are called to do good. It's part of what we're supposed to be as Christians. It's interesting when you look at Galatians chapter six, verse 10, and uh, Brother Mike is going to pop that right up there. I want you to notice right in the middle of that verse. My, it's on the screen here. You've got it right here. But I want you to notice, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Who's that? That's us. That's the church. That's your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says we should strive to do good to all men but especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should think about that. How that God has called us, yes, to eschew evil, but to do good and especially to do good to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 reminds us that we were actually created for that purpose as believers. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You and I were created as, as children of God. You see, we were born sinners, every one of us. We were drawn towards sin and evil. But at some point in your life, 
God spoke to your heart. He pricked your heart. And you realized as a sinner, you needed Christ. You needed forgiveness. You needed eternal life. And you humbled yourself, laid pride aside. You say, God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Come into my heart. And God says you became, his very words, you became born again. Spiritually born again. And this verse reminds us that we were created in Christ Jesus. We were born into Christ Jesus when we put our faith and trust in him to do what? Unto good works. Unto good works. It should be a part of who we are. As much as that highway of eschewing evil is there, we should be laying the paving stones of good works down that highway as we go. So look, as we come down in our text, I want you to see the next thing he says there in verse 11. Because he's showing us how that if we want to see good days, then we need to go ahead and go through proper action. We need to put to practice what we preach. He says, let him eschew evil, do good, and let him seek peace and ensue it. Now, the word ensue is an interesting old English word. And I also went back into the Greek. I want to look. I want to really understand what the word ensuing peace meant. And it means to go ahead and to pursue something that is hard to catch. And so uh, Ashley was wrapping up her day at, at work. And I said to her, I said, Ashley, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go online Find me a video of an animal pursuing another animal because that's what the word ensue means. So she went online and she pulled up all these things. She said, Pastor, you don't want to show those videos. <laughs> she said, I can only find videos where it catches the animal. I said, well, try to find a video where the, where the animal like goes down into a ditch and you can't see what happened. <laughs> she said, can't find that. And I think it's because people want to see the gore. I don't know. But actually, God is using a word that indicates we see something we desire to have, but it's elusive. It's hard to get. And we have to pursue it with that intent, that focus of a lion going after a gazelle, of a bobcat chasing a rabbit, a hawk going for a mouse. That intent, focus, and pursuit. That's the word he uses here. For you and I to seek peace and ensue it. Pursue hard to attain. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, when you start talking about peace, peace is elusive. So what kind of peace is he talking about in this text? Is he talking about peace between America and China? Is he talking about uh, peace between the Ukraine and Russia? What, what kind of peace is he talking about? So I, Again, went back into the Greek because I wanted to see exactly what it was talking about. And it's really not talking about warfare peace. It's 
talking about an inner peace. That's the structure of the Greek word. It means completeness, wellness, soundness. Those were the words that create that Greek word that we translate to peace. So he's saying that we should pursue hard something that is elusive, hard to catch. Pursue hard after that completeness, that wellness, that soundness of the soul. Luke chapter 1 verse 79 tells us that Christ came to bring us peace. And it's not talking about world peace. It's talking about that soundness, that health, that well-being of the soul. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I often look at that verse and think about that it means, you know, conflict. We got Bill sitting right here on the front row. Bill, a world-level arm wrestler. I'm not going to purposely try to tick off Bill. Because <laughs> I know that probably he could take me out quickly. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not talking about that. It's not talking about that kind of peace. It's talking about having healthiness, wholeness, wellness in our relationships with people. And he's saying to us, he's saying, listen, that's God's desire for us. It's not just conflict. He wants us to have a healthy relationship, something that has completeness, wellness, soundness to it. In fact, he says to us, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all people. It should be that not only are we not hateful to one another, but we are trying to go ahead and have a wellness, a, a healthiness, a soundness in our relationships. James chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 addresses the fact that this is really a deep spiritual truth. Something that you and I should seek after. That kind of health, that kind of wellness within our soul. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That fullness, that healthiness, that wellness. Yes, no conflict. But more than no conflict. A healthiness in our relationships. So as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And he gives to us these steps of action. He says, skew evil. That's going to cause nothing but harm and hurt. Do good because that sets a proper pattern in your life. And as you seek peace, ensue it. Pursue it. Keep at it. You must acquire it. When Ashley told me she couldn't find the videos, I thought, I can find a video. <laughs> Come on. We'll Google this thing. And I did. I Googled it. She was right. Man, I'm telling you what, this... There's some harsh reality out there in the wilderness, isn't there? 
One of the videos I watched was a lioness who had not eaten in five days. And she had cubs. And this particular, it was a British broadcasting video that they had done over in Africa. And they said she's becoming desperate to get food for her and her cubs. And it showed her stocking up upon this animal. And as she's stocking up, she's getting closer and closer and closer. But the animal's edging away and edging away and edging away. And she bursts into a run. And that animal, I think, had already seen out of the corner of her eye that little lioness. Well, not so little. And it started running and evading. And everything it could do, it did. And she did not catch it. But it showed the desperation. She was willing to pursue even that which almost was impossibly far away to get. Because she's desperate to get meat for her and her cubs. God chose that word of ensuing that wellness, that wholeness, that spiritual peace within. He used that word for us to understand that there needs to be a desperation to it. To where you say to yourself, this is something I want. It comes from above. In fact, the scriptures teach us to pray for it. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And this will be the last verse that we're going to look at. I, I mentioned the other day that sometimes preachers will say, and in conclusion, and they're really just getting ready to get started. But I promise you this is the last Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 down through 16. Listen to what it says. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer. For whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You and I all that have become Christians. We are the children of God by faith, by receiving Christ, by trusting in him. Verse 16, that he would grant unto you what we're praying for, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man. You and I, what are we seeking for? We're seeking for God's riches in our hearts and our lives, to strengthen us with might by his spirit in the inner man. We're looking for the peace of God in our hearts and our souls. And we must ensue it. But as he tells us, it can only be found through prayer to our God, to our Lord. To commitment, to eschew evil, and to go ahead and, and do good works. We set up a life pattern. And that's how we love life and see good days. Doesn't happen by accident. You choose. We choose in our lives. I chose as a young man to receive Christ as my Savior when I was 16 years old. The Holy Spirit knocked on my heart's door. I was just a teenager working a summer construction job. 
And the guy I was working with would witness to me on the job. He'd talk to me about Jesus Christ. He'd stepped on a landmine in Vietnam and he had all metal braces and he'd run the backhoe and I did all the handwork. And Johnny Martelli would talk to me about Jesus Christ. Finally convinced me to go to church. Took all summer long. It was, I was already back in high school. And he convinced me, come to my house to a Bible study and come to church. But I was raised a non-Christian. I'd been to church a few times in my whole life, up to 16. And I thought, yeah, that would be a good thing to do. So my high school girlfriend and I, we went ahead and we went to church. But man, I'm telling you, all of a sudden I'm sitting out in the pew just like you're doing right now. And that preacher, it was held in an elementary school cafeteria. And I'm sitting in those folded metal chairs out there. And he starts talking to me about Jesus Christ. And the peace that could be had through Christ. Salvation in Christ. I'd never heard of any of these things. And week after week I went back. And finally, at the end of a service, I came forward and they opened the Bible and prayed with me and I received Christ as my savior that day. And all of a sudden, my whole life changed. My parents thought I was crazy. My dad told me, he says, ah, it's just a phase, you'll get past that. Sometime later, he told me, he says, you know what, Tim, you'd be better off going back to smoking pot than doing that. My parents were not Christians. And my childhood and my life was not a Christian life. But I'm telling you, God changed my life. And from that point on, I begin to eschew evil. I begin to try to set a new pattern in my life of doing right and good. Because I had found peace that I had not known. In all the chaos of alcoholic parents and police coming to the house and all that transpired. God had brought peace into my soul. Changed my life. Changed my eternity. And I challenge you this morning. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and we look at him talking about relationships, you don't need to go and spend a million dollars to find out the answers of the newest psychologist. Open your Bible and look. See how to live and practice what God designed for you and I. This morning as we come to the end of the service, I challenge you. I challenge you to love life, to see good days, but it requires something. Practice what the scriptures teach. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, as we begin to dismiss from this place, I pray for you to woo us and draw us nearer to you. Help us in our families, our relationships, our community, our church. Help us to take these principles that you're giving to us in 1 Peter 3. Help us to be more than hearers, but doers of your word. We thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And John has a closing chorus for us. I have found a friend in Jesus.